Bitch Talkers. This is episode 230 of the Bitch Talk Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, don't forget, you can find us at our website at bitchtalkpodcast.com, Twitter at Bitch Talk Pod, Facebook Bitch Talk Podcast, and Instagram, it's one word, Bitch Talk Podcast, or just shoot us an email at therealbtpod at gmail.com. We have a special interview this time around with Amy Simons. She's the director, writer of The Girlfriend Experience on Stars, which is debuting uh, Sunday, November 5th. And uh, she's a lot of fun. She had a lot to talk about. And she just came out of the editing bay uh, for the show Atlanta. So she's doing everything. And uh, she took the time to say hi to us and talk about The Girlfriend Experience. So take a listen. How are you? You're doing good. You're doing well? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just I I directed a few episodes of um Atlanta. So <gasps> I'm up. editing that yeah, I know, right? What? Yeah, it was really fun. So I'm editing those right I'm in the edit bay right now. Oh my god. So. Okay. So much to talk about. <laughs> so little yeah. time <laughs> but I, know. Um, I have a dream job yeah I mean you're not doing so bad lady yeah, doing, all right. Doing, all right. doing all right down there in in LA um <laughs> so let, let's talk about the girlfriend experience on stars comes out this Sunday November 5th um mm-hmm. you are director and writer correct yeah. for the show um Let's talk about um, how the girlfriend experience actually ended up in your lap, and how did you and um, is it Lodge Kerrigan mm-hmm. get? How did you guys team up? Um, well, we we did not know each other, and I didn't know Stephen, but Stephen had seen um, my film Sun Don't Shine, mm-hmm. and he had seen me act in in um, Upstream Color and a few other things. And he really, he just called me one day and asked if I wanted to direct television. And I <laughs> said, I don't know how to direct television. And he said, that's great. Uh, you're hired. Um, <laughs> <laughs> great. He said, I don't want you to direct television. I want you to direct how you want to direct and not make it look like TV. And I said, okay, well, then then you're hiring the right person. Right. So he, he, had, um, he had worked with Lodge before on... Um, uh, he'd produced some of Lodge's films, earlier films. Mm-hmm. And um, and so he said, I'm, you know, I'm going to pair you with uh, Lodge Kerrigan, who, whose work I was familiar with. And <coughs> I had, <coughs> excuse me, um, I had just, um, he had, strangely, Lodge, I had just met Lodge like the previous week because he, um, he had directed an episode of The Killing, mm-hmm. but that was like totally random. Yeah. Um, so is it though? It was, is it random? <laughs> is it? Is, is it? Random? I don't know. Is the universe, yeah, connected. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, yeah. So, so it was like, like Stephen puts it, it was an arranged marriage of sorts. <laughs> um, and then Alaj and I co-wrote the first season, and and Stephen really told us to do whatever we wanted. Is that there was no, there was no sort of um, you have to do this or you, you, you know, there was no, there were no guidelines. It was like basically you dropped it in our lap and said, take the title and make whatever you want. Jeez. That's yeah. so freeing as a creative person. It can be freeing, but sometimes, you know, <laughs> and scary. blank page is your, is your worst enemy. You right. know what I mean? Yes. Um, so yeah, but I mean, it, it was, it's, it's incredible. I mean, I, I don't know many people that are in the position that I was, um, was afforded and uh yeah i mean and and so i guess 
just leading into the second season, because it was because we had this clean slate of like, do whatever you want in the spirit of the show is in, in take or what we wanted to do with the show is each season be a different character, different city and, and not feel like you had to fit it into some sort of aesthetic or Mm -hmm. some sort of rule book or, or feel like you needed to connect the two what we did for the second season was we we thought about how to blow up the format and mm-hmm. blow up, you know, and, and get it to a point where we felt like we could do whatever we wanted without having to ape ourselves from the first season. Right. Um, and so we both decided it'd be really cool to, to write and direct two separate storylines. Mm-hmm. Um, my seven episodes and then his seven episodes respectively. And, and do it that way um, and and just sort of blow up the format of what the limited series can be. Right. In a way. And when you, I've watched a few of your episodes and then I think I caught one of um, Lodge's, but it's interesting to watch and kind of and watch the way you both direct because it's very different. Uh, and you can tell if you're ner- nerdy like me, um, but your scenes and the way that you shoot are very close. His are very far away. So it's really distinct. Um, I wanted to ask you, why was it important for you to tell the story of Bria? Um, it's interesting, you know, so sometimes and I can only speak this way um, in a respect uh, like a retrospectively, you know, because mm-hmm. um, sometimes you don't necessarily know why you wrote something Mm -hmm. and then it clicks when it's all done or, or you realize something about it. Yeah. I, um, I, I, there, there was one aspect that I was very conscious of, which was, it was very interesting to me, um, in the response to the first season of watching either critics or, you know, or just audiences, mostly critics because they don't really read everyone's tweets. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not very good at Twitter, but well, you're um, you're not like the president. You're not reading every tweet. <laughs> I, yeah, let's make it, yeah. Let's not detour because I just get so heated. Um, I mean, it's bitch talk, so whatever you want to say is fine. Oh man, I just like what I like. Uh, yeah, how does he find the time? I mean, I don't know, girl. I don't get it. Like he really like Corker's right. He, maybe it, it is a daycare, and he has a cell phone in some room. You know what I mean? Yes, like, and I do. Just, and the, the and politics is going on as usual, and he they just like lock him in a room, and he just reads tweets and watches yes. MSNBC and Fox. Yeah, like what the fuck? Anyway, it's weird. So, That's your next. Maybe so that weird. after Atlanta, you can do something else with that. That's... Oh my god, it's just so. It's like a Black Mirror episode. It it's is so scary. Yes. Sorry, Bria. <laughs> let's go. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yes. So, I mean, okay, but actually it does, it does, (laughs) this is important because, because, well, one, just in a, in a a series of events, the very first thing was that I was really interested in sort of what people were projecting onto this story that I had, I had written and then directed, you know, and, and sort of their response to really want to put it in a box and really want to like label it either empowering or uh, like or scary or like a, a, a tale of why you shouldn't be a prostitute or mm. why you should be a prostitute and like just this need to like wrap it up in some way mm-hmm. and and label it either feminist or not feminist and label it you know progressive or not progressive or just label it in general and and for me it was never i was never trying to do any of those things you know mm-hmm. i was always just i was always just like approaching it as as like 
sex work is matter of fact, it exists, right. period, mm-hmm. you know, and now I'm going to tell a story about it and I don't, I'm not going to, I'm going to try my best to not editorialize it. Obviously, everyone has their own opinion about it, but I'm going to try my best to just treat it as something that exists and use it as a um, device to explore um, other themes of, of personal interactions and being a woman and and your and and capitalism and corporate entities and and all of this other stuff and and, and how transactional relationships are just sort of whether you're exchanging money or not are sort of a way of of how we interact. Um, I mean, at least in America. Right. And, and so, so it was really interesting that like these, 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 you know, these words were flying. I mean, I knew that that was going to happen. We always knew it was going to happen and it was going to be a topic of conversation, but how um, quickly people really wanted to water it down into some sort of, um, some sort of either that it was, I don't know. They just wanted to water it down and not allow it to be complicated. Mm-hmm. Is the way that I wanted it to be is just like look how crazy and complicated we are as human beings, right? You know, and so and so I kept thinking about that, and I kept thinking, well, that's really that's something that I find really fascinating or is is really personal to me is is um, all of these being being a woman and having all of these labels that you're supposed to be like career woman or a mom or a wife or a spinster or a, like feeling like if you don't fit into one of those categories that like you are just a hot mess or something, you know, like that you have to commit to some sort of label and, and, and you, and wear that as your identity, even if you're not feeling like that's all you, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, you can, you know, I, I feel like, men are able to move through like these sort of defy that those labels Mm -hmm. and so so then it was it was sort of prime you know then I started thinking further is like okay so then what what about exploring a woman you know because in in the in the escort service it's like you can pretend to be whoever you want to be when Mm -hmm. you walk into that room and then the ultimate version of of pretending who you want to be would be stripping your complete identity i.e. entering the witness protection right. program yep. and then who, you, who are you right when you're just left with your with your thoughts and emotions and and is can you are you going to be okay redefining yourself in that lifestyle or will you revert back to like who you truly are or what what does that become when when somebody's telling you you have to become a different person right um, and so those were sort of the thoughts I was exploring. And then, and then on top of that, we got a new president. <laughs> yep. That and, happened. <laughs> yeah, that happened. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I can't say that, I, I, I don't know if you can tell, I can't say I was happy about it. And yeah, I'm not um, quite sure how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> I was, yeah, I, I was questioning that. I have a daycare now. <laughs> I mean, Speaking of women's rights, you know, they have a daycare in the... In yeah, <laughs> a great big one that's painted white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think it's great. That's great. Yeah. Send all the kids, yeah. Um, so there's like free daycare for us. Uh, anyway, so... Um, <laughs> and and so I, I started to sort of process it, it you know, I wanted to... I initially wanted to write something political, which I still think what I did with is is uh, subversively political. But, um, but uh, but then I was just like, you know what? 
life right now is so fucking surreal. <laughs> and every day I can't keep up with what's happening, nor could I write this. <laughs> like, right, nobody I could. If I tried to write this, <laughs> it would, no one would buy it. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but I don't even know if I can directly comment on it because it's so surreal and it it throws me into this like dream state almost. And so then that became really important is to is to create this sort of weird foreign world, you know, that she enters and feeling like an alien and it feeling surreal and feeling at, t- at times surreal um, and at times very real. And when the, the when the reality hits her, it becomes very sobering, but allow it to dip into this 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 surreal territory um, in and out of surreal territory so that. I could explore some of these themes that I didn't know how to necessarily address head on in a literal sense. Mm-hmm. If that makes, if does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Are you finding um, being creative and having a creative outlet your therapy right now? Um. Yes. And uh, no. I mean, yes. <laughs> in terms yes. of what's going on in the quote unquote real world. Yeah, I mean, it's when, especially like in writing, it's your own little universe, you know? Mm-hmm. You can make it right or wrong. You can make things in reality right and wrong. Right. <laughs> um, you have control over it. That's the most beautiful part. Right. <laughs> That's the most therapeutic form is that in writing, you actually have control over it. Yes. <laughs> you know Whereas exactly you what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, yeah. And, um, yeah, some. I mean, somewhat, and and then some days it's just sort of like, what's the point? Um, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> and and then you know, and then there's then you get a fire under your ass again, and then you you feel like it's very important important to do again, right? Um, but yeah, and then and then you know what's really interesting that's happening right now in Hollywood and, mm-hmm. and other industries, um with the power dynamics and all this shit that's coming out, you know, um, I wrote it way before that. And in all my interviews, they keep asking me like, was this on your mind? And I was like, well, it's on every woman's mind. This, these aren't, this isn't, these guys aren't an anomaly. Right. And, and my, and you know, I, what I really hope, doesn't happen just given everything that's been coming out is that that we feel like we've gotten rid of the monsters mm-hmm. and that we're we're scot-free because it, this this sort of power dynamic and the use of power and the in the manipulation in these power situations is you know they're not always as extreme as what we're what's coming out right now mm-hmm. there's various there's subtle and um maybe even more pervasive um, uh, uh, forms of that, that that are very hard to point to and say that this it's very easy for us to write, to right now point at, I mean, again, not, I'm not saying it's easy for the women that are coming forward. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is for a society watching it happen, very easy for us to point at those situations and be like, that's wrong mm-hmm. um, and feel comfortable that we got, that we're bagging them all, you know? Right. But, that doesn't help people and men and women take a look at themselves and understand that this is a much more pervasive idea. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was, that was very much at the heart of, of writing the dynamics between Bria and Ian and, um, 
and Paul, who played by the Harmony Grin, mm-hmm. um, is just exploring, you know, these dynamics of behavior when, like, for instance, Harmony has permission to sort of speak to her and in, in, in ways that he feels entitled to because he's paying for her. Mm-hmm. And, and Ian feels permission to control her because he, that his job is to keep her in line and he, you know, exploring that and, and how far he can go into that. I don't know if you've watched, did you watch this season? Did you yes. Watch? I watched, um, yeah. I think three, the first three episodes of, uh, okay. yeah, of Bria. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I won't, yeah. And, and, <laughs> no yeah, spoilers. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, so that was, that was sort of the idea. And, and again, I wrote it before any of this is happening. So it's not a, a comment on what's happening in Hollywood. It's just, it's like, it's. I think it's at the heart of uh, of what's been on all these women's minds. You know, it's mm-hmm. sort of understanding was was what happened to me right or wrong. And sometimes these are very blurry situations. Yeah, I mean, this is and that this became is, interesting to me. I was just going to say this was coming out, or this is coming out at a interesting time because the Me Too um, hashtag started what just a few weeks ago, and then right. I was watching this show, and I'm like, wow. There's a lot to say about the show, whether this happened or not. But now that we're in this world of Me Too and I mean, someone's being accused of terrible things every day now. <laughs> I don't right. know. I mean, do you are you guys now watching it in a different light or are you getting different comments now or? I mean, I think it's definitely shaping how they're watching it or experience, experiencing it. Mm-hmm. And and um, I guess I guess it, Again, it's this weird, it's this, it's this combination of it, when I was writing it, and then, and then, like in in watching sort of the whole development of um, of like like and, and all this stuff. Like again, I can talk about all this stuff, but it's not necessarily so explicit in the episodes. It's 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 more like the undercurrent yes. of it. But definitely, right. the power dynamics are the, the, the at the core of it. Of like this woman who's stripped of her identity and trying to figure out who she is, and then being in, being all these identities being projected onto their onto her and what they want from her and they want her to behave and they want her to be good you know right all of those things and, and sort of how she's struggling with that um but at the same time um you know i it was it, it, it's just as you know because you're experiencing it too mm-hmm. it's just been an interesting roller coaster of watching <laughs> sort of sort of the the um the permission that people feel now to speak a certain way about women mm-hmm. or, or, um, the LGBTQ community mm-hmm. or, or different ethnicities mm-hmm. and the, the emboldened, like that scared the living shit out of me. Yeah. Like it scared. And this was like very early on. I was in at LAX of, of, of all places, not in the South. Cause mm-hmm. I, I'm from Florida. I would expect it from Florida, but, <laughs> um, in LAX. And I remember sitting at a, at the bar at LAX and listening to these dudes talk. And this is before, this is when they were just, when Hillary and, and Donald Trump were just debating. And, um, I remember there's a, there were two female bartenders and they were waiting on these two guys who were very loudly discussing what, I hate using this word, but what a cunt Hillary is mm-hmm. like using that word. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like in a public setting, it's like, fine, whatever, say whatever the fuck you want at home. You're in front of two women who are serving you mm-hmm. like 
alcohol and you're sitting next to a young woman and you feel totally fucking fine. Right. Loudly. I don't care how drunk you are. Mm-hmm. Like loudly using that term yep. about uh, a woman, like in, in front of other women. And I just remember being like getting like incredibly dark and it was just like this simple moment of like incredibly dark and incredibly like upset that I was like, that's just now that's yeah. just in the debate. Right. Like if this guy gets elected, like where do we, where do we go? Like, what is, what does that look like? <laughs> and it began, and I, and I felt like a rewind of everything that my mother had worked for being national organization for women, wow. everything that the women before, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was just this like really awful feeling of, where where does this end up and right. what does this mean i like i thought progress was good and i thought we built off we build off the back of progress and i feel like we're hitting rewind right now oh yeah and <laughs> you know or and, a terrible that, flashback or something's, <laughs> something's not right totally or just uh, i really hope this is all a fever dream you yeah know? <laughs> like, yes I, every day I wake up and I just like hope this is a fever dream like, <laughs> or a bad acid trip. I was going to say, um, yeah, someone's bad acid trip. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know who's yet, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's terrible. I don't know, but we're yeah. here. We're still here. Anyways, but all of that, I mean, honestly, like all of that, I, I don't, you know, I don't, I, I, and, and in that, I, because, because it is so divided. This is the other thing too in writing it too, because because I have family that voted for him. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I think everyone and, has someone in their family, yeah. if not more than and, one. Yeah, and you can't choose your family. Nope. And like, <laughs> and <laughs> I I love them, but I also just am like, why? Some of them have changed their minds. Okay, well that's um, good. That's progress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I also, but I also, in a time as opposed to. I kind of chose in this, given the the political climate and how divisive everything is, mm-hmm. was to to um, discuss the topic in a more universal storyline. You okay. know, yeah, is is to to out like get some of the ideas that I'm feeling in there, but not not try to say you're so stupid for voting for you know what I mean? right. like or no 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 or like do you understand what this means for like and, and try to not be so pedantic about it mm-hmm. and and just sort of explore it and explore it for what it meant for me in a way wow well it comes across in the show so mm-hmm. <laughs> I appreciate it I, I do have good. a question for you if you don't mind me asking about your San Francisco uh, your time here in San Francisco. Sure. Is yeah. that how you became a producer on Medicine for Melancholy with Barry Jenkins? No. Oh. No. Fine. No, no. I thought um, that was a connection. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> no, I went to Florida State with all of them. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and Adela Romanski, who's like my best friend, she actually produced my second season of GFA. Oh, okay. Um, who produced um, Moonlight, and right. she's producing Barry's next one. But I went to FSU with all of them. I wasn't in film school, but I was friends with all of them. And I met Barry in a photo lab when I was like 18 or something. We we were like the only two that discovered this dark room on campus. It was the best thing. No one was ever in there except for me and Barry. <laughs> and we met and we became friends when we were 18, developing pictures and stuff. And then and then we just all grew up making movies together. And I, I graduated early and moved to San Francisco. And... Um, and then what was it? Oh, um, James Laxton, who shot 
Medicine and Moonlight and mm-hmm. the Shooting Berries next movie also went to Florida State, but he's from San Francisco. Oh, okay. And so when I was there, I would hang out with, you know, when he would come home, I would hang out with him and then Barry would come and visit when he moved to LA and would come up and visit and stuff. And, and um, I have to say, I might be the reason that Barry moved to San Francisco. Initially. Oh, okay. Not as a boyfriend, girlfriend situation. No, heard saying, here first, everyone. Heard here first. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. But just like dear, dear friends. Yeah, and, yeah. And he'd come up and, and I would be like, San Francisco is awesome. <laughs> this is a very specific period of time. I don't know. I, I feel it's changed a little bit. But, yeah, it's um, not as awesome as it used to be. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That that can be another bitch talk for you and this I. Was, but yeah, this is an after the first dot com burst, so everything oh. is a little more affordable. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. There's still a like culture 2003, here. Two thousand three. Yeah. Um, and so I did like I did like theater, experimental theater. Mm-hmm. I was a scene. I was a seamstress. Um, you know the very San Francisco lifestyle. Yeah, the I hustler. At, um, there was this great fabric store that was on hate that used to be called discount fabric yes i worked there um and people that came in would buy fabric and they'd want to make curtains and i'd be like well i can sew you curtains you know for a pr- what a hustler i was yeah see uh, for a price yeah <laughs> for a price and, yeah i made a lot of i sewed a lot of burning man costumes of course you did <laughs> um I, yeah, I did the full san francisco experience you did rode my bike everywhere good for you yeah uh, yeah it was great and then smoked you, weed in, yeah, smoked weed in the park, yeah. you know, all that stuff. People still do that. That still happens. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. But that's how you became a producer on Medicine for Melancholy? Was so, through your friend? Because I went to school with everything. Oh, yeah. got it. Okay. So I went, so I did, I had made a few movies before and, and I had worked on a movie in San Francisco that was experimental and, um, and Justin Barber, who also went to Florida State great 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 guy um and he produced the movie that i shot in san francisco and uh james laxton actually shot it uh the dp and um and then shortly after that every after everyone was getting their toes wet in this micro budget world you know after i made this crazy movie yeah um, that didn't see the light of day, but, but I, I love it so much. Um, <laughs> then Barry made Medicine for Melancholy up there. Yeah. Um, right after. And I helped with like casting and helped with, um, mo- I mean, mostly he was basically I'd introduce him to Wyatt and then I held casting sessions at my house. Oh my God. And then, um, <laughs> and then, um, what else did I do? It helped with some music rights stuff. And yeah. Pretty much, pretty much like, I mean, here's the thing is like, did you sew costumes? Of, did I, what? Did, did you sew costumes for the, for the movie too? No, I didn't. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just, uh, uh, really, like, really the thing is, is like, there is no credit for like, whatever I, I did. You know, Like, I think that sometimes like, people forget that like, to make a movie and to be a producer, it's like a little amorphous. Yes. And it's really, I just started helping just because I love Barry and I just wanted to help him. Yeah. You know, and, and I was basically just tell me, you know, tell me how I can be useful to, to get this done. Because when you make micro budget stuff, it's very, you need people that are just like excited and willing and excited right. that you're doing it. Stoked that and you're doing that what know you're how doing. to show up. Yes. There's that too. There's, yeah, that's half the, that's half the battle. Is, yeah, like everyone wants to make a movie, yes. but nobody shows up. You know? Right. And that, that's where you end up is like, 
whoever shows up, this is my crew. Yeah. Like, for the micro budget stuff. You're the producer. You're the exec producer. Yeah. Because <laughs> you showed up on time. Mm-hmm. Well, Amy, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for calling in. I mean, you're doing great stuff. So just keep thank you. keep doing you, girl. Um, the thank Girlfriend you. Experience uh, comes out November 5th on Stars. And uh, is it renewed already for third season or are you going to see? I don't know that okay. quite yet. But, well, I haven't watched um, the end. So, you know, maybe yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> well, leave us hanging. Right. But uh, Amy, thanks again, and uh, thanks for being bitch talk. Of course. Thank you. That was the Girlfriend Experience director writer Amy Simitz. Uh, thank you so much for calling in. She had a lot of good stuff to say. Don't forget the Girlfriend Experience starts on November fifth, and follow Amy Simitz on Twitter. It's at Amy underscore Simitz. S e i m e t z. Tune in next week uh, for our interview, really fun interview with Meg Murray of Nasty Woman Wines. And while you're at it, just go onto the interwebs and order the wine now because you'll thank us later. You'll probably just want to crack open a bottle and drink it while we're interviewing Meg. Thanks for listening. Bitch, please.